This podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I'm ready to party! Good morning, Vietnam! Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Magic myth on the wall. Who is the fairest one of all? Yeah. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. I wonder if when you think about all these professional podcasters who have nice fancy studios, Mm -hmm. think about the people who have to record in the living rooms while Storm Derek (laughs) is raging outside. Sorry, Storm Dennis. Storm Dennis, that we keep on calling it Derek. Derek. Um, I, I completely agree. Like, you see, like... Uh, Philly DeFranco's like set up and it's like amazing and it's like actually separate from his house and yeah. all kinds of stuff and then usually we have to put up with the cat making yeah. too much noise in the background today we just have Rain. buckets of water being chucked against the glass at high velocity it's like an ASMR thing <laughs> if we just talk really we, 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 we create a nice little mood a nice mood to watch films as Storms rage outside. Yes. And welcome to his film, her movie. Welcome back. We're back. Yeah, I feel Yay. a bit out of practice. Yeah, yeah. It feels a little bit strange to sit down and actually record because it's been what? Well, it's been two week, two shows, but it's been kind of three weeks for us. Yeah. Um, That's because I was away with work. Yeah, you were away with work. And I came out, back out, out of the country. Was dead. Out of the country, came back, was of could barely log into my computer when I went back to work. Last Monday. Yeah. But we're back at it now. Yes. Uh, we'll get back into our schedule. Yes. We have a hell of a lot more free time than we did in practically all of January. And most of December. Yeah. Yay, no setups until spring. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> but no, we are the podcast that takes a subject or theme, pick two films on it, and then discuss them. Yes. Yes, we do. And... Getting a bit into the mood, I think, with the, this choice because even though this obviously comes out on Monday, the Friday before it was Valentine's Day. Yeah. So we've chosen to do unusual love stories. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of coming off the twisted love stories piece that was on Pod Syndicate. Yeah. We thought we'd just sort of tie in there. Basically we thought we'd steal your idea, guys. Thanks. Yeah. So as as we just mentioned there, Pod Syndicate, we are a podcast of this network. Here you've got Chinstruck versus Punter, Film Bastards, What's on Tap, Beyond the Neon, Entertainment Landfill. Um so if you're listening to this and you have a podcast, we are expanding. Yes. So if you want to get involved, just give us an email on um, HFHM podcast at gmail.com. Yes. And we're very, we can very. Chat. We can have a chat. See if we like, can mingle. We can mingle. We can and network. it doesn't have to be just film podcasts. No, no. We try to do a lot of different pop culture things. Like On Tap is about beer. beer. You know? Whatever it is, we, we look, we're just looking to expand the family. Absolutely. Into. Lots of different yes. avenues. So yeah, so. You, can, you can go over to wearepodsyndicate.com and check us out. Yes. 
But Come yes, friendly bunch. we are, we are. But we are doing unusual love stories. So what was the film you chose this week? Mine was the 2013 Spike Jones film. Yes. Her. The Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. Scarlett Johansson's voice. Amy Adams. Amy Adams, yeah. Chris that, Pratt. Chris Pratt. Fat Chris Pratt and thin Chris Pratt. Yeah, that is that was absolutely hilarious. We'll get on to that. That was so <laughs> funny all the way through. But yeah, my choice, I've went with 2004's Birth, mm-hmm. um, Jonathan Glazer's um, second feature after Sexy Beast, um, starring Nicole Kidman, Danny Houston, and a plethora of really good character actors. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I thought we don't really have any housekeeping that we need to get through. I know we've been away and we do apologise about being away, but sometimes life... Life just gets in the way. Yeah, it's as... Jeff Goldblum says in Jurassic Park, life finds a way to, to mess up all of your plans. Exactly. So therefore, we are. We will be. I'm. I'm away at the end of the month for a hen party, and we will not miss that one. No, because we will be more organised. Yes. So we will be good. We shouldn't have any big breaks for quite a while. Yes. Yes. So we might as well get into the actual show. So should we start with her? Yes. Hello, I'm here. Oh. Hi. Hi. How you doing? <laughs> I'm well. How's everything with you? Pretty good, actually. It's really nice to meet you. Oh, it's nice to meet you, too. Oh, what what do I call you? Do you have a name? Um, yes. Samantha. Really? Where'd you get that name from? I gave it to myself, actually. How come? Because I like the sound of it. Samantha. Wait, when did you give it to yourself? Well, right when you asked me if I had a name, I thought, yeah, he's right, I do need a name. But I wanted to pick a good one, so I read a book called How to Name Your Baby, and out of 180,000 names, that's the one I like the best. Wait, you read a whole book in the second that I asked you what your name was? In two one-hundredths of a second, actually. Wow. Okay, so her, like I said, was the 2013 Spike Jones film. It's a bit of a meaty one. It's a... Two hours and four minutes long. Yes. So, you know, a good chunk of your night gone watching that. Yeah, yeah. It's got Amy Adams, Scarlett Johansson, Joaquin Phoenix, Rooney Mara, Olivia Wilde, Chris Pratt. Just to name but a few. There's so many famous people in this. And basically, Joaquin Phoenix's... um, character it's set in sort of like a near future hollywood and he writes letters for people basically to dictates them they come out they go out to people like nice sentiment nice sentimentality type thing think like moon pig but yeah. with somebody sort of making it up yeah yeah so he does that and um he ends up fall, uh, falling in love with the operating system or OS on his mobile phone. Yes. Um, and it kind of looks at the social dynamics of that, the emotional uh, dynamics that goes on that, because he is somebody who's been single for around a year because he is um, 
getting divorced from his wife, who's played by Mara Rooney. So it, it's kind R- of like... Rooney Mara. Rooney Mara. Oh, yeah. Mara Rooney. <laughs> Rooney Mara. <laughs> it's a name that could be said both ways. It can. It, it can. sounds just as good either way. Um, so it kind of looks at the grief of a relationship ending, um, the uncertainty of your future, uh, single life in the modern world. It looked like just being isolated, desperate to find a connection with someone or something. And I remember watching this film a, quite a while ago. It wasn't when it first came out, it was a few years ago. And just thinking, this is so stupid. Like, why would you fall in love with your phone? And then I met Jordan. <laughs> and, and I'm a phone. <laughs> and Jordan is secretly Siri, but just really clever. Um, <laughs> already stupid? But that's... <laughs> <laughs> but but that's one thing you could say. It's like it's not falling. The OS is an AI yeah, who is fully. Oh yeah, she's like, learning. Sentient. She's got sentience. She is everything. Um, but then he's talking to her, but he's not seeing her face to face. And when I say like, and then I met you. Yeah. We lived. We didn't live like far, far. No, apart, we, we, we lived, worked. We lived an hour. So apart. we basically just communicate through the phone for ninety yeah, percent yeah. of the time. And and then saw each other on a weekend. Yeah. And then sometimes we couldn't see each other on a weekend. So it wasn't really until you moved across here, because where I live is better, um, that we actually saw each other all the time. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of more like a... I don't yeah. want to say a traditional relationship. You know, you know. Because you, you moved in with me and, you know, living in sin. Yeah, yeah. We were. Um, but we still got to see each other and... Do more spontaneous dates and more absolutely talk face to face. Yeah, and it did. It, it does. The thing is, it's when you look at it. If you put a girl or a or a boy in that in that um, relationship instead of that OS, mm-hmm. it, it's quite a traditional. It's it's love story. Normal, absolutely so, acceptable. That's what I like about her. Is it's it's very fine tweaking things. Mm-hmm. So therefore. That fine tweaking opens up so many different questions and different ways you can read it because it's yes, it's 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 a story about all like grief of a relationship, but it's also like about being a lonely man in a connected world. Yeah, it's like genuinely the world is small now. It because is it's small, but then it also it feels very big isolated and isolating. Yeah. So therefore, when you, when you when you do meet that someone. And I, I like part of the film as well because it talks about how it's very rare for an OS and a user to, 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 to fall in love and to have that sort of chemistry. So it's not like a, a paid-for service where it's no. it, it, it's like an escort, you're expecting you know. It's an AI escort, basically. Yeah. And, and, and you forget that it, Scarlett Johansson is playing an OS system. Oh, absolutely. Because this AI is meant to be so advanced and constantly learning that she, like, he makes a very important, he makes a point when he's getting, I don't know, like, he's feeling a bit rubbish about everything and he's lashing out. He says, oh, why do you do that? Why do you, like, breathe in? You yeah. don't have to breathe. And she's like, what's well, an inflection. I've obviously learned it yeah. from talking to you and talking to other people. and It's a technology in a way, teaching a human how to live. Yeah. Because you've got like these lovely scenes where sort of after 
um, his date with the Olivia Wilde character. What was her name in that? Because I literally just wrote her down as Crazy Lady. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Crazy Lady. But she's talking about these sort of philosophical ideas and mm-hmm. things like that where Joaquin Phoenix is such a, of a man in a rut and a man in a mind frame where he he needs something to get him out of that and to give him a positive look on life. Yeah. Which I think is what Samantha does um, through the relationship that they have. Mm-hmm. And a good thing it also does is it creates this... Like, even as you open it, with Spike Jones opens the film and you open it up with Joaquin Phoenix dictating one of these letters. Mm-hmm. And it's straight away the world building is so rich and it's told in such a way that this premise could come across as so creepy and so, I don't know, off-putting. Yeah. But it's not. It's sweet and it's interesting and it opens up so many different little avenues to go down. Yeah, and as well, like, the technology that they have isn't completely unbelievable. There is so much stuff similar to that. It was like, was it was it last year or the year before? Was it Microsoft or somebody released an AI out into the internet? I'm not sure. I can't remember who which company it was, but they released an AI out, out into the internet just to talk to people. Um, and it learnt from people. But um, the human race being the way that we are and the fact that we just troll things most of the yeah. time um, ended up like just teaching it to be racist and swear. So, But it learnt things from from humanity obviously not great things but we've proven that that sort of thing it, it, we do have the capabilities of making an ai obviously not as advanced as samantha yet yeah but that can learn and grow from the influences around it um and the other thing is it i just don't i don't find it unbelievable no i honestly it's it's one of those things because obviously you've got this idea of the AI and having a relationship with technology, and that in itself is the argument of the day: is mm-hmm. how is your relationship with your immediate technology in front of your your phone, your tablets, your TVs, your laptops, mm-hmm. everything like that. But it also brings up those ideas of: do we need human contact? Yes, there's an ice cream van outside <laughs> whilst a storm is going on. Sorry, I could hear it was the ice cream van. That's just... <laughs> know your market. It's February. It's Cumbria. It's Cumbria. We'll eat ice cream. We'll go out in the pissing rain. It'll be fine. <laughs> It'll all be fine. It's just big court weather. It's stay indoors with the central heating on weather. That's where it is. Um, one thing I found really funny about this was people's different reactions to him being in a relationship with his OS system. So his ex-wife thought it was creepy and didn't like it. But then Amy Adams, his friend who works with this technology day in, day out, was like, oh, okay, that's fine. Chris Pratt, who we will get onto in a second. Also, him and his wife were like, as long as you're happy, you're not hurting anybody. And I found it very interesting because... Even like since this film came out, people's attitudes towards relationships have been evolving. Yeah. 
and it could be sort of like looked at um when people had same sex attraction people like that's wrong don't agree with it what are you doing whereas other people would be like well you're two consenting adults you're not harming anybody we're not bothered by it which personally i think we both agree in this house is as long as you're happy you're not hurting anybody we don't care what you do but it does that that those sorts of relationships and those interpretations of relationships have evolved but it's not even that it's you can talk about um, gender and same-sex couples, but it's even how people reacted to online dating when it got they around. They did. People it like, was always like, oh my God, you're going to meet a such murderer. A stig- such a stigma around it. And generally people <laughs> wouldn't say they met online because they thought it was bad. Well, it was like for until we got married, yeah. my mum and dad thought that we met in a bar. I was like, yeah. no, we didn't. Because my mum was always like, don't go on online dating. It's so dangerous. It's so this. And yes, if but, there are crazy people, but there are crazy people everywhere. There is. But again, so yeah, the, the different ways people read that sort of relationship, but also it's interesting to think that go 20 years, 30 years in the future, if this technology exists, mm-hmm. I think it would be the go-to choice of people to have this sort of relationship yes you you miss on certain aspects of for example the physical side of it but Mm -hmm. this does approach it and even though it doesn't go well within the film Mm -hmm. you can see you could you could see that being as as a a job yeah or or as as a service or whatever yeah um well there was the whole whole thing when siri first came out about Um, boys trying to date Siri and all kinds of things. And now if you ask Siri out, she has standard things that, you know, standard answers that you get no matter how you ask it. She'll say like the same thing. Whereas I don't think it was like that before. Yeah. Like standard, they have to now build in standard answers to things. Um, but, but what do you think about actually, it's, for me when, I, when, when I'm watching it, because you've got to, it's a relationship movie. There's two people talking. Mm-hmm. And it's just how they switch up the film language. As in like, generally when you're having a dialogue scene, mm-hmm. you cut it between two people. Yeah. And it it, it 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 feels a little bit strange because you are just focusing on Joaquin Phoenix, Theodore. Yeah. And it's normally stays on him and it's, you, you, you kind of your head has to get into the right frame to say, okay, this is the way he's going to be doing it. And that's why I think it's such a great performance by him because he's basically acting he, to he, nobody. He's, not, he's acting to nobody, and he his reactions are all captured. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't cut to somebody else who's delivering a performance, and he's only really acting when he's speaking. Yeah, it's continuous. Like he's it on screen so much. It's brilliant. I, I did like little things like um you watch it and if you if you do if you haven't seen it or if you've seen it before and you've maybe not noticed this, like see how little things like before he gets Samantha, the OS system, look at his pocket on the front of his shirt. He's always yeah. got a pocket on the front of his shirt. Puts that's where he puts his phone. That's where it lives, goes in there. When he gets Samantha, he still puts his phone in the pocket, but he's got like a, he's clipped the pocket 
with like a safety pin so that way Samantha like his phone sort of like sticks out the top so it's got the camera there <laughs> so he's like Samantha's in his pocket and he's like carrying around but he's done it so that way she can see everything that yeah. he can see silly things like that I was like that's quite sweet oh but it is but that's why it's so good because it doesn't even bring that up no that's just part of the production that's just like a little thing that generally some people see and say oh, I can't believe I thought about that yeah exactly Um, and I mean and, that, and that's why Spike Jones, I think, is so good, but it's also yeah, it's just for me the the, the script is the strong point because that's I think what brings up all these interesting questions. Mm-hmm. But also you've got Hoyter van Hoytema's cinematography that always looks in a daze. It's sort yeah. of a LA that is. A little bit romanticised. Completely no romanticised. It's all... No homeless. It's all soft focus. It's all... The depth of field is very, very sort of... Every sort of thing. It's got... It's like... Um, we've discussed like different filters and yeah, everything. Yeah. Like, um, these are all red, orange, very warm filters. Every single scene has that. Mm. It's... To give it like a slight... Uh, warm sort of cozy glow there was another thing that i noticed as well it, it everything like obviously that you look at straight is very in focus everything else is like blurred around well, the edges that's the depth of field that's the soft you oh, know what that i mean that so, yeah oh, okay. so that's, that's like um you're using your your aperture on your thing but it's and that's what i mean like by dreamlike it's like right. nothing really exists apart from the people mm-hmm. that we see. It, yes. it, it, it So when you've got Rockin' Phoenix walking around drawing a thing where he's laughing and talking to Samantha, it's like they're the only people in that world because you can't see anything else. Yes. It's all it's all blurred. Um but that again is it's like an Instagram filter constantly it on is the like film. An Instagram filter constantly. It is. But no. Jen, you got anything else you want to add? Yeah, Chris Pratt. Yes, Chris Pratt. Okay. So, um, I do like Chris Pratt. Yeah. I have complicated feelings about Chris Pratt now. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's more for his personal choices. That's but. personal choices for his film choices. Love him as an actor. Love his acting performances. But this film, it's obviously like when he's getting ready for Guardians of the Galaxy. So we start out with a chunky Chris Pratt. Yeah. And then he gets really skinny. And then he gets chunky again, and then he gets skinny, and then he gets chunky again because it's obviously filmed like you don't. They don't film in like linear. They film different scenes as and when people are free. Well, that that'll be probably reshoots. Like they probably shot it um, when they did mm-hmm. and realized, okay, we need this sort of a scene that can feed into another scene. It, it, that might have been shot seven, eight months apart. And they just came back. But obviously in that time, he's been getting ready for probably Guardians. Because well, the thing is, the last scene that you see him in, when they're going for the picnic, yeah. he's blatantly got Guardian hair. Yeah. He has got... Um, Star-Lord hair. Star-Lord hair. He's just like just trying to like push it back so that way it looks like his yeah. character. Though also, what's with moustaches? All the men have moustaches. It's the future. Well, I'm sorry. You're not getting rid of the beard <laughs> and just having a moustache. And also, I don't feel like I say that correctly. Yeah. Mustache. 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 Tash. But even if you just watch it to see like Chris Pratt go through like different stages, yeah, yeah, it's quite funny. Um, I always preferred chunky Chris Pratt. Parks and Rec, Chris Pratt, 
Chris Pratt is my ideal Chris Pratt. Love him as that. He's just But then so I love brilliant. his excuse for when he gets buff and they go, oh, you came back from summer and you're yeah. really buff. What did you do? And he went, gave up beer. Yeah. He's like, just gave up <laughs> beer. Didn't do anything else. <laughs> I just stopped drinking beer. And everybody's like, what? Okay. Uh, Fine. Going from being like quite overweight to being buff. <laughs> That's the only way to describe it. But no, I think her is genuinely one of those modern classics. To be honest, yes. to be honest, it's, it's I think it's underseen because I don't think a lot of people have seen it. It hasn't really no. crossed over to the mainstream. I mean, maybe the sort of film Twitter mainstream. I think but, you can get it. I think. Well, I think when I first watched it, maybe about four or five years ago, I think you could get it on Sky or something. Well, you probably. I mean, I, I I've had that on I. I've got it on iTunes. I've, I've had it on iTunes since it came out, but mm-hmm. I haven't seen it since in the theaters. It's been quite a while since I've actually seen it, so right. it was nice just to rewatch it and just have that wash over you because it does have that. It's its temperament is so pleasant to watch. Yeah, because even though yes, you do sort of have high drama, but nobody's really shouting. Nobody's whatever. It's it's very melancholic in, in, in its execution. Yes. I like it. Good. I've got some... I only found a couple of, like, interesting facts. Okay, so they go and they see this big aeroplane sculpture in West yeah. Hollywood. The whole thing was made by CGI. Really? Yeah, it's not a real sculpture. But it looks amazing. Like, it looks so real. Yeah, because it must have made a small... Of a, like, like a, a bit a section, for him to touch. Because he touched it, didn't he? So there'll be, there might be a section where you know, it was all... See- That's quite good. But I like where I like that. Nobody wears a belt. Yeah. Which I did point out, everybody's got super high-waisted trousers on. Yeah. And at one point, Chris Pratt's, I swear, like practically up to his nipples. <laughs> they are so high-waisted. And also, um, the cinematographer guy. Yeah. He, I can't say his Heute name. van Heutemer. He appears in the party scene at All the start. Right. So he has like a little cameo, like having fun in the background. Very good. Um, and also Spike Jones locked Joaquin Phoenix and Amy Adams in in rooms together for hours on end to force them to talk, to give them, to help them create the kind of friendship that they have on scene. So their friendship is actually real because he forced it upon them. <laughs> but that's the thing is also, is like another fun fact was that Scarlett Johansson came on to this really, really late. She did, yes, she did. Because uh, it was Samantha Morton who I think was voicing... Samantha up until pretty late on in the post-production. That, that is true, but also Spike Jones um, got her permission to read it. Yeah. So she was like, yep, that's fine if it doesn't work. She got paid. <laughs> she got, she's like, I got your money. I'm not bothered. That's fine. But then as tribute, they kept on the name yeah, yeah. Samantha and they didn't reshoot. No, honestly, it, it's an absolutely brilliant movie, so it was a good choice. Thank you. For once, I picked a clever film. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. Next week, it'll be back to the Adams Family and Mean Girls and stuff. Well, should we start with mine? Birth. Yes. CS3P Combat. Player one, choose your character. Tired of film and television podcasts where the hosts exist in a blissful state of agreement? Player two, choose your character. While you're in luck. Punter. Round one, fight! Allow me to introduce you to the Chinstroker vs. Penta podcast. 
featuring two film and television fans from Birmingham, England, who enjoy their media in very different ways. <laughs> but anyway, that brings us to the end of the plot of Blue Velvet. The plot. I mean, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. So join us as we catch up on what we've been watching from our own very different perspectives. Double KO. Round two. Fight. You can find us at csvsp.libson.com. Also on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places that podcasts can be found. Just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just, just getting confirmation. It's just in That's the third time, though. I mean, am I, is this on? The Mulberry Boys, every Friday night. On the show, you better know they keep it tight. ETL is back and the J-Strom's in the zone. Introduce the co-host, he doesn't do it alone. PCZ is about to hold court. You know he's on the headset, you can hear him snort. Pop culture movies, TV shows and games. Rotten Tomatoes reviews news and Blu-rays. Foggy don't play around, he will bust a drop fast. Welcome to the Entertainment Landfill Podcast. The Jason and Steven Show. It's the Jason and Steven Show. What? The Jason and Steven Show. It's the Jason and Steven Show. You know, I sent you a card. Christmas. Mm. You got those? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's taken me this long. And I can't get him out of my system. I can't. I can't. It's not gotten any easier for me. And, uh... I met, uh, I met Joseph, and he, he loves me. He sincerely does love me, and he's, you know, he's been dealing with me on this. He's been, um, he, he's been accepting of it, and he's not, he's not growing insecure because of him. I mean, he's ten years old. Hey, what are you saying? He's a little boy. <laughs> he's a little boy, I know, and... He said, um, and he told me his name was Sean. You know, I really hoped that he was Sean. I really, I wanted him to be Sean, but I knew he wasn't Sean. Uh, I knew it. This is insane. I mean, <laughs> it's insane, you know, but I couldn't help it. I couldn't. So, yeah, Birth, a 2004 film from director Jonathan Glazer. Still to this day, has only made three films, um, Sexy Beast, Birth, and Under the Skin. Why has he only made three? Because uh, generally he, he takes about 10 years between <laughs> films and he's a pretty prominent commercial director. Uh, oh, so that's you said sort of, he did that commercial. He did the Guinness, um, the horses in the sea, tick follow, talk follow. He directed that commercial. But yeah, he that's where he sort of makes his money. So we'll probably see another one. His last one was Under the Skin, which I believe was 2014, 15. Okay, so we've got another four or five years. Yeah, so Birth is 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 an, a weird movie, really. It's, it's very weird. <laughs> it's the story of Anna, whose husband dies. We see that in a in a bit of a prologue at the beginning. AKA the, crazy person who runs on ice. Yeah, he he um he sort of has a heart attack or whatever when he when he's running, and ten years later, 
a 10 year old boy comes back into her life while when she's about to get married and says that he is her dead husband yes and as the story goes on the small boy the, the young kid knows things that he shouldn't know mm-hmm. and he's really just that circuit that, that situation and how that affects anna nicole kimman's character mm-hmm. and her understanding of where she is now her feelings for her new fiance mm-hmm. and the guilt that she feels feels for what happened to her dead husband sean yeah and yeah I, again i always do this but did you it sounds really but did you know anything about this film when we started watching it no and you nothing about it. you basically said oh it's about a woman her husband dies and 10 years later um a little boy comes into their like comes back comes like comes like into her apartment and goes i'm your dead husband reincarnated now it's like sold let's watch this it could either gonna be make me cry or creep me the hell out yeah and it which one the, it did it did the latter it creeped me the hell out it wasn't it it was it was creepy what i found creepy about it wasn't the story yeah i thought the story was very good i thought the child actor who i'm sorry i don't know his name but he he played sean i thought he was very good i thought but um it it, it was anna i found anna to be I understood, I understood the grief and when she first came in and the, oh my God, he's saying this and the anger and the grief and everything else. It was when she was like, okay, so we are going to run away together and then when you turn 21, we're going to get married again and, you know, like, I'll be your first and all this and it's like, it's, it, yeah. it's like, love, you're going into like, you're going into like a, a bit where you can't come back from that, and it's very it got, that's the part that I found very creepy. It's unnerving. Yes. Yeah. It, it was a little bit like a whole Lolita sort of type moment. But not, and, and that is exactly sort of what this is a personal favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. Genuinely, one of my all-time favorite movies, just because not only is it. The relationship between the two in the situation I just find fascinating. But I also find fascinating of, like, okay, what do you do when something that is crazy and insane that generally you would laugh apart, but when the facts are so overwhelming in that this is actually happening, mm-hmm. how do you approach it? Yeah. And how would you deal with that situation? Um. But also, not only that, but it's, I mean, the whole film is a, it's a metaphor. It's talking about Sean, the boy, uh, played by Cameron Bright, is a physical manifestation of her guilt as a widow. Yes. And given where she is in her life, about to marry another man, who she's, as is told through Danny Houston's character, who is her fiancé, mm-hmm. She had refused him numerous times, said no to going out, said no to getting married, said no, things like that, but sort of giving in over time mm-hmm. that she is not over her She's husband. Not over death. And it must have been a very 
shocking and sudden death by the sounds of it. It sounds like he maybe didn't have any underlying health problems that they knew of. Yeah. And then just, just to die. And yeah, and it's sort of like, yeah, so she's, it, Nicole Kidman, I don't think Nicole Kidman's actually been better no. than in this movie. Some some of the, the material that she has to work through and compute and the way we see it, because she's a very subtle actress. She's not like, for example, I'm trying to think of, of a, a Meryl Streep who can sometimes go quite large, but he's still Kate good. Kate Winslow can do that. She's very, her face is very still. It's all in the eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a scene that we'll we'll talk about in a little while where you just get to see that in full effect. But yeah, it's it, it's that idea of okay, she's moving on to the next stage of her life, but she is completely not over the past. Yeah, and. When this young boy comes in and all these emotions get sort of raised up again and the facts are so overwhelmingly in the favour of this is actually reincarnation, mm-hmm. that what do you do? Because uh, you mentioned like she does go and then says, basically, okay, we're going to run away together because that's, that's when she crosses the line. Yes. So therefore she... She, she's very, very against it. And she's very, please leave me alone to the little kid. Yes. And she doesn't believe it. She doesn't believe it. But when it becomes irrefutable, it's like, okay, that's my husband. I'm going to do anything to be with him, even if it means waiting 11 years to get married and and, and things like that. But it's, the way it works with 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 its ambiguity and with its, you're always questioning, is this for real? Is it not? Mm-hmm. And it does play with that, with the ending a little bit, but there's a, I've got a reading at the ending of how that all sort of unfolds. But, the other thing I found quite interesting was um, her choice of accent. Right. She sounded like Lil Edie in certain inflictions that she had. Maybe, yeah. Which made me feel um, like... Old, like she was part of like old money. Yeah, well, I think she is part of old money. But it's when, never when sort of never talked about, never talked about or anything like that. But the slight infi- inflictions, and if anybody, for people who've not who've not seen Grey Gardens, uh, Grey Gardens, and knows who Little Edie is, it's um, they uh, Little Edie was cousin of um, Jackie and Ask Jackie. No, she's she was cousin of the Kennedys. Yeah. Um. So, she's got that. Do you know, I can't even. I can't even do an example. So yeah. when you sort of think about like Great Gatsby and that old yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of slightly un, very unusual New moneyed, York, sort, New of York sort of accent. She has a slight infliction of that, which to me would say old money family have been there for a very long time. She's well educated. She's established. Kind of established. She's the kind of person who wouldn't believe in this. And you can obviously see that they do have money from where oh, yeah. they live. But to me, I quite like that because it's another sort of like little layer that's been put into the film to go, look, it's even more crazy that she would believe in this and that it's made her believe because of who she is. Yeah, it's sort of like, oh, what would this do to our reputation as a yes. family? Because you've got, I mean, you've got your namesake. As the mother, you got Lauren Bacall. I love that woman. I love her voice. Yeah, she's got a great voice. Great voice. Um, 
And she looks amazing in this. She does. She really does. But again, it's, you've got... This film is so full of these great character actors. Like, mm-hmm. you've got Danny Houston, um, Peter Stormare, who I love, but generally Peter Stormare plays crazy, villainous, evil characters. Yeah, and it's he nice ha- to just see him as a... Just, just give deliver a performance, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, not not to not go overboard and to be to ham it up and be be fun, but actually just see him as a as a person. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's so so good, but I mean, might as well get on to some more specifics. Like you got Harris um, Harris Savidis is cinematography. I mean, I talked we talked about Heidi van Heitemer, but some of like that open long tracking shot when he's running is just so lovely to watch, and it's yeah. The entire film is coloured with very muted tones. It just feels quite cold. It feels really cold. And I know it is like New York in winter. Yeah, but even at the that beginning, it feels kind of Christmassy. Even it with does. the even with um, Alexander Desplat's score, it gives it a bit of a Christmassy vibe. And it's mm-hmm. then it goes off on a completely different tangent. But it's so confident in the way it tells its story because it's. Just t- it just takes its time. It's not a long film. No. But it it doesn't try and over-explain anything. It doesn't try to over-preach anything to you. No, not at all. It's very well-pitched. And there's a scene in it which is one of, again, one of my favourite scenes is where I think Cameron, sorry, um, Sean has been to see them for the second time. They get confronted and he collapses. Yeah. The direct scene after that is, it must be four, three or four minutes. It's just a single take where you, where you follow Danny Houston's character and Nicole Kidman coming to the opera through the seats, her sitting down. And then it's about 90 seconds just in an extreme close-up of her face. Oh, yeah. And I love the fact you can tell like she's been crying, like her nose is red and everything. There's like just little, like the top of her lip and everything and... Like the makeup artist and everybody in it have done such good work to make her look like she's been crying, but not too much way a woman of that standing then wouldn't be able to then turn up. Yeah. At the ballet. Yeah, and it's for me. She's it's, out of place. No, but in that scene, you you see cogs moving. Oh yeah. You can see the entire sort of gambit of emotions that she's feeling and Mm -hmm. of the idea that this could be Sean what she doing with um I've actually forgot Danny Houston's character's name but um Joseph Joseph and yeah it's I'm gonna use a very hoity-toity kind of I um, will roll my eyes for everybody listening so don't yeah it's kind of a what's the word um begins with a p Pretentious. Pretentious. But it's pure cinema because a scene like that can't be told in any other way than this medium. No. Because there's no dialogue. It wouldn't look the same if written in a novel. You can't do the same in theatre because you don't have the the close-up. The close up and you don't get to see the performance. And you only get to see that through the art of film. And that, for me, is pure cinema. Mm-hmm. You, you, can't translate to any other art form and it's just lovely wonderful to see um what else have i got i mean do you have anything else you want to um i really related to like joe right 
I was like, I can totally see why you're losing it with your fiance. He is a very rational man. He did go a little bit far with spanking the child. But, um, you know, he's very successful. He knows what he wants. He works hard to get what he wants, but he still seems very respectful. Um, and then this child comes along and basically derails everything. And just pretty much like destroys his fiance. You can totally see why he gets so annoyed. But that and that's again I think I'd, you've also got this idea of masculinity and of ownership mm-hmm. within a, within this because obviously for anybody I mean I I've never been there but for anybody trying to go into a relationship where somebody has lost someone, like for example if somebody splits up yeah. and they get divorced, that's different. Because that's a decision made by two parties. Mm-hmm. Whereas Anna never ever chose. So therefore, that that love will probably be just as strong. So therefore, you can see Danny Houston being very protective, but also have the the weakness of, I she know I'm not. I'm second best. I'm always going to be second best. And I don't think he uses that correctly mm-hmm. he, he lashes out because of it yeah. but when he when sean comes back into his life and the resentment he has for this child and that it's it's so weird because all this is towards this kid mm-hmm. and that's what feels very off-putting as well and unnerving i don't say off-putting as in like it's off-putting but it's it, it does feel slightly eerie and, and a little bit creepy but it's meant to do that as well I have a point. Yeah. And the whole kind of like situation and how people are reacting kind of reminds me of this. But I think you're, when when I was like, I will roll my eyes at you being pretentious. You're going to roll your eyes at me being basic. So, um, you ever seen B-movie? No, I haven't. Jerry Simon, I've never seen B-movie. Okay, so basically... A girl finds like a talking bee and all this sort of stuff, and she's got a boyfriend and all of her fam. And he want he want the bee wants to like sue people for stealing honey. Right. It's, it's kids film. It's absolutely ridiculous. Jerry Seinfeld though. Isn't it, yeah, so? but it's it's also brilliant as well. Um. The uh, the thing is, her whole family and her friends like yeah, totally believe him, totally go for this, and her boyfriend's going. What are you doing? He's literally the only rational voice throughout this whole film. Because the woman ends up like falling in love with the bee. It's so weird. But he's like, what are you doing? It's a bee. What? What is going through your head? And the whole thing throughout this, it Joe's reaction just reminded me of this. He's like, what are you doing? That is a child. That is not your husband reincarnated because he's like that all the way through he's like there is a reason behind this and we need to work out what the reason is because this is not true that's it well the thing is what i like about you you, you've got all this idea because it starts up with this prologue obviously before the guy starts running Mm -hmm. it's a male voice who is sean yeah talking about reincarnation and about saying basically what would you do somebody asked me a question it's like well if uh my wife, if my wife died and a robin or a bird, a little bird came up to a thing and opened its mouth and said, I'm Anna, mm-hmm. reincarnated, he's like, well, I'm a man of science. That can't happen. But obviously, 
then the entire film is trying to disprove that. Disprove that because we need we need a code word. So when like when one of us dies, if like because it sounds a code word. Like I actually I listened to a podcast and apparently um like Houdini yeah uh spent so much time debunking um the psychics and people who said that they could um you know. Uh, talk to the dead and all this that him and his wife had a code word and he's like if I come back through a psychic I'm going to use this code word he's like you can search me you can do whatever but if I do not say this code word that person is a complete and utter fraud and so she did and in the end she was like nobody's done it nobody said the code word you're all a bunch of fakes and she was like it's sad to think that he's not there but at least I know that I've done I've done my research on this. So we need a code word. So if you get reincarnated, but, I know it's you. But so what what is your reading of the film? Do you believe it's Sean reincarnated? No. 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 So I do. See so you see so you do, but so, I don't and So how do we explain how how we do, I mean I know we do have like the um the scene throughout the film, I don't have spoilers, it's sixteen years old. Yeah. So, when Anne Hirsch's character, Pete Stormer's wife, um, approaches him and says, basically, I, I, we were lovers. Yeah. And he has no recollection of that. Yeah. Now, my reading, and again, this is just me, mm-hmm. and you can read into it what, what you will, that sort of disproves, kind of disproves the theory, but not as the well. Because in my idea... So when Sean was reincarnated, he was reincarnated as the best form of himself. So therefore, that was just his love for Anna. Right. So therefore, he couldn't didn't remember anything to do with with Anne Hirsch mm-hmm. because his perfect self took out that betrayal. Now, I don't think it was. I don't think he has been reincarnated, and I'll tell you why. He has obviously been hanging around that building for a little while, her apartment building, because he's friends with the security guard. He seems to be friends with a couple of the security guards. He's obviously been hanging out there for a while. Yeah. He does not approach Anna until Clara takes those letters that she was going to present to Anna, which the letters, by the way, all came from Sean... Uh, sorry, no. They all came from Anna to Sean, and to prove his love to Clara, he gave them to her unopened. And he, she goes, she she decides that she's going to give Anna them as sort of like a screw you sort of gift, and um, but she can't do it, so she buries them in Central Park, which is a running theme with her with burying gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets them, obviously reads them. And gets a lot of information from that because the letters are very personal. And Clara goes, look, you've got them in your backpack, all opened. These were not opened when I buried them. So you've built, dug them up, opened them and read them. Because the thing is, we don't see how long it was. It seems to have been a few, maybe a few hours yeah, yeah, yeah. in between the time that Clara buries those to when he turns up at the apartment. So plenty of time for him to open them and read them. Now, I do think he is a little boy with problems. He seems to come from a very poor household. 
he may have some sort of psychotic issues. That is not explained and it is not there for me to explain it. Yeah. But there's obviously something not quite right with him and we see him having a fit. Yeah. I think that he's read these. He's read that this guy is also called Sean. He is obviously not very well and he's latched onto this and he keeps letters with him reference when she talks about um um them having sex on his brother's green sofa his brother-in-law's brother-in-law's sofa sofa, sorry yes they that was a big stack of letters he's got a lot of letters dating back from years that might have been in the letters he goes over a lot of things which you would maybe discuss in a letter and Talk about when you, you've got. I remember when we had this conversation and we did this and we did this. And but this is why I like because the ambiguity, because you can read it in different, two different ways. This is why I think it has the, the power that it does, yeah. Um, but even going into some of the more controversial aspects of it, um, there is a scene where they're in a bathtub together, yeah. He just gets in the bathtub now. I think that was was very controversial at the time because obviously you've got a, a fully grown woman. Obviously, not, not nude, but you know what I mean, within the f- scene of the film. Looking nude. Looking nude illusion. Um, and sort of the implications of that. But th- that brings up to me, like, not only that, but the idea of a gender reversal because that couldn't happen. No. If it was the other way around. No. And I think it, it also brings up that argument. It's not brings up arguments within the film not 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 within the film but within the wider scope of it yeah but um she anna gets away with a lot more than if the roles were reversed yeah. and it was a guy because she speaks to his mum sean's mum was like oh yeah you can stay at mine she's like yeah fine that that's fine he's with a grown woman he'll be safe all the time she's like hmm, maybe i'll run away with this 10 year old and that's it it's so for example you you see it's the interpretation of seeing a grieving man and seeing a grieving woman mm-hmm. you've got two different wounded animals there yeah whereas i think you see you, you see a woman as completely less less of a threat less of a threat absolutely which it's not but 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 i, I think that's really really fascinating to, to watch and see how it unfolds mm-hmm. i'm trying to think of other things because I, I made lots of notes through this film um I literally just put uh, falling in love with a 10-year-old, question mark, in the bathroom, question mark. Um, can see why Joseph is getting mad, though he goes too far. Why does Clara keep burying gifts in Central Park? And little boy's crazy. Very nice. But no, um, I'm not great with notes. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It's Jonathan Glazer for, for me, and he's, he's, he's been touted is it, for quite a lot, especially with birth and under the skin but he has a very Kubrickian style mm-hmm. um, because he likes to present his film with these grand ideas these grand questions and do so with such confidence um, and within this like everything about the film I just think is from the from the script to the way it's shot to the performances and i still think like the performances are all so good i mean you've even got ted levine in a very very supporting role as sean's father it's so engaging from the get-go it has you it gets its claws in yeah and 
as you go on, those claws get deeper and deeper and deeper and you sort of get a bit drowned by it. It's submerged completely within this story and within mm-hmm. these characters. But yeah, I love Birth. It is so, so good. And this is another one. I think I've already did it once before with the podcast, but for me, these are two five-star movies. For I mean, that's... Her is great and Birth yeah. is great. It's like... I enjoyed both of them this week. I yeah. thought they were really good. Um, really enjoy Birth. Never seen it before. I enjoyed it, but parts of it made me angry. That's it. But I think that, that's a good mark of a film. It needs to rise some sort of emotion. And new. debate. And debate. Yeah, and debate. And it doesn't always have to be a happy emotion. No. And like, yeah, just watching Nicole Kidman unravel and... Oh, yeah, she does. Just the, the conflict that she has. And even in those final scenes, it's like... Do you read that as she's actually unsavable? Like the grief has got so much and the guilt has got so much that she shouldn't be getting married. Yeah, I kind of read it as because absolute regret on her part. Yeah. But I also, re- I didn't, well, no, it wasn't quite regret. It's she's so confused and she's so lost that she doesn't know what she's doing. And the mat, and she's been putting up like a happy, happy mask and everything. And the mask has just slipped. And you don't know if like she's maybe had a little bit to drink and everything started coming out. And yeah. at the end, it's just like, oh, Joseph, love you, but you got you, you've married a bit of a handful. And that's it. You've got that unraveling to a point where she breaks, and that's when she breaks. She's then she goes, we're yeah. going to run away together. Mm-hmm. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Brilliant. So so good. But no, I think. This is probably going to be our longest episode ever. So we still won't beat film bastards. We still won't beat film bastards. No, 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 <laughs> no five-hour, nineteen-minute episodes in our future. <laughs> I don't think I could listen to those guys argue for that. <laughs> Though it would take me back to our night out when we decided to do a live podcast in the middle of the pub after several pints. Yes, <laughs> but no, I think I think that's it for this week. To be honest, it is. Yeah, um, as always, you can follow us on our social medias. Go to wearepodsyndicate.com, check out the shows. Um, Apple Podcasts, reviews, Spotify, raters, do what you want to do. Yeah. Every little helps, as a, a famous supermarket says. <laughs> Tesco? Yeah, Tesco says that. There we are. Though we're not sponsored by Tesco, but if you'd like to sponsor us, yeah. you like wine and avocados. Or money. Mm, or money. Yeah. I don't think they'd give us money. No. I think if we just ask for like... Wine and avocados. Wine and avocados. You could have some fancy beer. There we are. I'll do it. Fancy me. beer, cheap wine and some avocados, please, Tesco. <laughs> Thank you. For some millennials. For some millennials. <laughs> Disgustingly so. <laughs> but no, I think that's it for this week. We'll be back again, normal routine next week. Normal service has now been restored. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, that's goodbye from me. Goodbye. Bye-bye.